Saints of God, can we praise God in this place? For truly, he is worthy to be praised as we participate in worshiping him. For he alone deserves our, our praise. He alone deserves our worship. And he alone can transform your life. And help me thank God for all of our baptism candidates. Help me thank God for our choir, our, our praise team, our media personnel, those behind the camera. And we thank God for you all who are listening at home as we gather in this sacred space to worship him. I love what our senior pastor Jared just declared, that we are a people of action, not of apathy. We are disciples, and disciples means that we are doers, that God has a reason for each and every one of us. And get this, God saved us that we might serve him. Did, did you catch it yet? God saved us that we might serve him, that he might use us as the hands and feet of Christ. That everywhere we go, everywhere we are assigned to, we are going on purpose to represent our Savior, our Lord, and our King. That's what we're all about. That's really what is so distinctive about the body of Christ. Because we are a people of faith. And as a people of faith, we believe in God. Do you believe in God? We believe in God, the power of God, and, that God, and we believe in God's willingness to hear and respond to our prayers. And so you heard our senior pastor say, this is our promotion weekend. This is promotion Sunday. As you know, many of our students academically are promoting to the next grade. Some of them already have done that beginning their first day of school. Um, and this week in the side fair ISD, our students will be beginning uh, their first week of school. And as a church family, we're doers. And one of the things we want to do is to commit all of our schools, all of our students, and our administration and teachers, we want to commit them unto the the Lord. So there's a special assignment opportunity for us as Jersey Village campus and the body of Christ, and that is, would you join me in praying for each school in our independent school district? Now, that's Cypher I'm speaking of. Uh, my Cypher students, wave your hands at me. If you're inside, I see you, I see you. There they are, there they are. Uh, I got some Cypher teachers here. Wait, wave your hands if you're in here. I see you all, I see you all. You all are part of this prayer. And so under the, under the leadership of Pastor Leonard, uh, we put together an opportunity for each of us to adopt, prayerfully adopt a school in our ISD. And I want you to have some time to, to scan that QR code that you might sign up to join me in praying for them. Because remember, we're not apathetic, we're doers. You didn't get your phones out yet. Come on, get your phones out, get your phones out and, and, and really scan and, and commit to praying for the schools, praying that God will protect our students, praying that God will, will, that will make it so they can have an encounter with him, praying that there will be salvations at the school because we serve a God who's not just in the sanctuary. We serve a God who's everywhere and can meet our students at school. Pray for our teachers and our administrators. Uh, I am asking you to join as a church family in being doers being doers and actively seeking God on behalf of the student body of Cypher ISD. Thank you so much for participating in that as together we prepare our hearts to engage the word of God from the first chapter of Acts. 
Acts in your Bible is, is really the, the second writing of Luke, the Apostle Luke. Uh, he writes now in Acts, and together we're going to be going through Acts as we're challenged by the Word of God to be people of God who move forward in the power of God. Amen. We're not just moving forward in our own power. We're not moving forward with just good ideas. No, Anthony, we're being moved by the presence of of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believers, in the life of the church, to do and be what God has called us to do and be. Hope you make your way there to Acts chapter 1. For if you're there, you'll see words similar to these. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water. But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power. Somebody say that. You will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Now someone says, you will be my witnesses. Now hold on, turn to somebody right quick, just close to you. Be COVID friendly and just tell them, you will receive power and you will be his witness. Ah, that's when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things and they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven... As he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Can the saints of God say amen? amen. So, Father, here we are. We ask that you would do what only you can do, that you'd speak to us by your spirit transform us, that we might have the mind of Christ, that we might live our lives as your witnesses for your glory is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Famous quote of mine by Corey Ten Boom. I want to read it to you. She said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid, Juan, to trust an unknown future to a known God. I believe this is where the disciples in the text are, and if we're honest, 
This is where we at times may find ourselves as followers of Christ, that sometimes we're surrounded with uncertainty. Sometimes we don't know what's next, but the truth is that even though we don't know what's next, we don't know what's the next step in our lives, we can still trust the God of our lives because he knows everything about our lives. That's really where they are because we're here in the first chapter of Acts, and this is the day of ascension. This is the day that, that Christ will uh, be taken from the heel of sin unto heaven, and he's going to send the Holy Spirit who will descend upon the saints, the, the church, if you would. So understand it, because Christ taught his disciples that he must ascend in order to send the promise of, of God, the Father, the Holy Spirit, down to those who would commit their lives to following him. Let me bring you into scene just for a moment. Because you have these disciples. They've committed their lives to Jesus Christ. They have followed him as the Lord and Savior of their life. They've made the decision that Jesus Christ will be their all in all. That Jesus Christ is who they place their trust in. And when that decision is made, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. When you make that decision to say yes to Christ Jesus as your Savior. As we've seen those who are in the waters of baptism and the question was asked, is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, and they declared, yes, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. When that happens, you are a disciple of Christ. You're in the family of God. You belong to the people of God. You are the church. Dr. Al, that, that, off, that tells us immediately that the church is not a structure. The church is not this edifice. The church is not an institution. The church is a people a people for God. And so here we have the, the apostles, the, 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 the church leaders gathering together under the Lordship of Christ, and they have gone through so much. If you follow their journey to Jerusalem, you realize that not only do they see the works and the miracles of Christ, and Luke reports this in his first book, The Gospel Account, according to Luke, of Christ's miracles and, and all that he'd done in his earthly ministry, but they also witnessed that it was in Jerusalem that their Savior was sacrificed on the cross. They, they witnessed uh, the, the Word incarnate, God in flesh, giving his life on the cross, on Calvary's cross for our sins. They were there. They were saddened. They were afraid. They, they saw how the Savior was treated, and it all happened in Jerusalem. And during this time, Pastor Leonard, uh, they're under Roman oppression there in Jerusalem. And so now they have this government that is his responsible for, for the, the, the crucifixion of our Savior. And, and here they are in this same area. Good thing they hung around because then they were able to see that even the greatest of human authority doesn't have enough authority or any authority above our God. And so what Christ does is after his death on the cross, he resurrects on that, third, on that Sunday morning with all power, all authority in his hand. And here he is now, and he presented himself to those who believed in him. That's a word for somebody, because sometimes we need to be reminded that our Savior lives. He's not just written in the pages of Scripture. No, Jesus Christ lives. He, my grandma said this way, he walks with me. 
He, he talks with me. Will, he, he, he tells me that I'm his own. Jesus is alive and is alive forevermore. And when you come to say yes to him, you get to live life in Christ Jesus. Ah, uh, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said he came to give life and to give it more abundantly. So can you see these disciples now as they gather here on this mountainside in Jerusalem? They're seeing their Lord. They're seeing their Savior. And now the Savior is saying, now I have to go. Wait a minute, Lord. You, we've been walking with you all this time. Trusting in you. You've been providing for us. We needed. We called on you. And you were there. And now you're saying... You're going to go? You're not seeing the context just yet. And so he tells them that they will be baptized by the Holy Spirit, that John baptized with water unto repentance. But you, he said, wait in Jerusalem because you will be baptized. You will be endued. You will be empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's what he tells them. You, you need to just Wait, boy, we have some time right here. I'll talk to you a moment about the blessing of waiting on God. In fact, the truth is sometimes we wouldn't get in the trouble we got in if we just choose to wait on God. Uh, uh, but that's another sermon for another day. But he tells them to, to wait. Wait until the promise comes because the truth is if Jesus said it, it is a promise and he's going to do it. That's why it's important for us to search the word of God for the promises of God because we know that the promises of God are yes and amen. Here it is right there, that if God said it, Gala, he's going to. He's going to do it. And so he tells them to wait in Jerusalem until they're endued from on high, until the Holy Spirit has come. And notice in verse 6 their question. Their question is, Lord, um, so does it mean that you're going to restore uh, the kingdom of Israel? Does it mean now that, that you are going to, to take the lead, take charge? Or are you going to rescue us from what we're going through? Because with all that's said and done, we're still in Jerusalem. We're still under Roman occupation. We're, we're still under the persecution. God, is it time now that you're going to make all things right? Because you said the Holy Spirit is coming. And what they're saying here is really theologically correct. Because when you study the Old Testament from Job's prophecies to Isaiah prophecy, you understand that any time the Spirit of the Lord came, there was a res restoration for the people who believed in God. And yet Jesus tells them, that shouldn't be your concern. Ah. He gives them the, the, the promises of the kingdom, but he tells them not to get caught up in the timing of the kingdom. Because let's be honest, saints of God, sometimes we're there amongst them waiting for God to show up. We want God to come and to return. And God says, no, I want you to do what you're supposed to do until I return. And the promise is we get apathetic on the side. I say, Jesus is going to come. When Jesus says, no, I want to use you until I come. Because if I came right now... The people that you say you love, if I came right now, the people that you say that you care for, if I came right now, all those people that you know that don't know me will not be in eternity with me. So you ought to pray and work until I come to help them know that I am coming. It's right there. And he tells them, don't, no, no, that's not what for you to focus on. I love this text. He says to them, it's not for you to know the time or the season the Father has fixed by his own authority. But look at verse 8. What you need to know 
is you're about to receive power. Wait a minute. Here's that question. Jesus, when are you going to change what I'm going through? Jesus, when are you going to change my dynamics? Jesus, when are you going to show up and bring full restoration and peace? And Jesus says, that shouldn't be your concern. What you need to know is that whatever you go through, I'm going to give you power to make it through it. I'm right there in the text. He says, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost is upon you. Let me go ahead and correct somebody in case you thought you were in the wrong denominational affiliation. Uh, Baptists do believe in the Holy Ghost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got King James on you. I'm sorry. ESV says uh, Holy Spirit. Where I come from and where I grew up, it was just the I'm just telling you how it is. It's the Holy Ghost that the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is able to come within you. Because here's some truths about the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit that Jesus says you will be baptized with is the same Holy Spirit that we are indwelt with. Don't miss this. Because when you come to God through Jesus Christ, the presence of God comes within your life. Ah, this means that God lives in you. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Father is fully God, but God the Father is not God the Son. God the Son is fully God, but God the Son is not God the Father. God the Holy Spirit is fully God, but God the Holy Spirit is not God the Father or God the Son. Did I confuse you just yet? Hmm? Because the Trinity is a mystery. And what we do know is that our God is one. And when he reveals himself in the personhood of God, he's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so in the day of ascension, you have the Son going up to be with the Father and the Holy Spirit coming to be with the Father's children. Ah, ah, I get excited here because the Holy Spirit indwells us because he's holy help in uncertain times. Because all of us will be in times of uncertainty, but what the Holy Spirit does, it helps us to move forward by faith in the midst of whatever we're facing. Ah, That's why Paul says, I can do, I'm trying to help you understand something, all things through Christ who gives me strength. Yes, the Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit is the indwelling presence of God. Let me tell you how John says it. John 14, 17. Jesus says, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. Did you catch it? That means then that when you say yes to Jesus Christ, the presence of God is always with you. Even when I don't feel you, I know you're working. Uh, the presence of God, is, that, that means then when you come to Christ, you're never alone. Even if Satan tried to convince you that you're in this thing by yourself, the truth is you are, you're like David who says, you know what? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because thou art. Anybody ever had the Spirit of God remind you that there he's with you? Anybody ever been between a rock and a hard place, didn't know how you were going to get out? And God says, don't worry, I am in this thing that's why I love our God, because he's so personal that he comes and get in it with you. But not only is his presence seen by the Holy Spirit, um, but you also see his empowering. See, the Holy Spirit empowers us to perform the will of God. 
right there in verse 8. Right? It's right there. For he said, and you will receive power. Power, energy, uh, the, 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 the dunamis of God. You, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. you. You're going to receive it. Somebody says that's a promise. It comes with the Holy Spirit. The gift of grace is that God's power resides in you. Notice what I said, not your power. And we get in trouble when we try to do this thing in our own power. You, you know I'm telling the truth in here. We, we, we mess up when we try to do it in our own power. But when the church yields to the Spirit's power, when you're able to say, this is not me, this is all God, this is not me, I'm not taking credit, it's all God, then you'll see the power of God working out through the believer's life because God calls all of us. What Jesus wants, what he began, he wants to continue through you. And it's his power that enables you to do what you're unable to do apart from him. Ah, okay, here. Let me tell you, um, back in the day, um, we lived in Louisiana. Back in the day, we lived in Louisiana. And, um, and, and I got some Louisiana folk in here. Don't, don't, I'm just telling you what it is. I guess back in the day, you know, Louisiana folk, best cuisine in the world. So here it is. We, we, we lived in Louisiana, and, and, and we, God bless us, we had some acreage. And I won't forget this day, uh, Pastor George, because, because all of a sudden, um, in the midst of, of our, our acreage, our area there, uh, a, a, a hot air balloon landed in the middle of our pasture. I said pasture. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about, but it's okay. And, 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 and it, it, it kind of deflated. The basket was there. And, and strange people were in my yard. Now, I know you Texas folks understand what I'm saying when I say somebody just show up in your yard and they show up from the sky. Right? And I get out there and my boys out there and I train them well. Before they got to Texas, they were ready to come to Texas. You can figure that out how you want. So here it is. So we, we go in the backyard. I'm trying to see what's happening. You know, I'm, I'm that guy. I'm cut from that cloth. And so I'm, I'm, I'm looking here, and, and, and the guy comes, and he comes uh, in his pickup truck, and he says, uh, Sir, sir, uh, we had to make a pit stop here because there was some inclement weather that was going. I thought to myself, now, you asked me before you made this pit stop. <laughs> no, no, I did, I did, I did. But then they promised me something. They said, but the next time we take off, you can ride it with us. My son said, Daddy, uh, how is it that that balloon could go up in the air like that? <sighs> he says, it's almost as though, this, this is, he was young, I, I wouldn't show you a picture, but I asked permission, so I can't show you a picture. Uh -uh. He says, almost as though what feels it lifts it. I'm trying to help you understand something, saints of God. That when the Holy Spirit comes within you and he, he infills you, this is the power here, he's able to lift you, lift you above whatever you're going through, lift you to see that there's a purpose for the pain that you're going through. He lifts you to see that there's a greater purpose for your life and that what you're going through is really useful in the master's hand and he just needs you to go through it because there's some folk who are watching you go through it and are able to see the power of God that's working through you. So don't give up while you're going through it. No, you just live in the empowerment that if the Holy Spirit is in me and he brought me to it, he's able to bring me through it all for God's glory. Holy Spirit is able to, to empower you to do 
what you can't do. So why is it that we can love folk who don't love us back? Why is it that we're able to forgive people when they don't forgive us back? Why is it that we're able to turn the other cheek? Why is it that we're able to do good to those who despitefully use it? Because our Lord did it. He lived that way, and he empowers us to live that way. Because on my best day, don't you get this thing twisted? I'm not that good. On my best day, uh, alone, oh no, I'm not, I'm not forgiving. I can be very bitter on my best day. Uh, but here I stand where I stand, not because of me, but the presence of the Holy Spirit who desires to live in me, who empowers me to do what my Lord commands for me to do. And he's within you too when you say yes. And he allows you to be able to do which you didn't even think you were able to do because he is within you. And this is what he gives you power to do, saints of God. I mean, let me go ahead and turn the corner here. He gives you power to be his witnesses. Huh, don't miss this. He doesn't give us power to do witnessing. You know how we do that. We, we gather on a certain day, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. We should go out and, and, and witness to others about, uh, about the personhood of Christ, that the transformation work that Christ does in our lives. But notice what the text says, Hillary. He gives us power to be witnesses. He says, you shall be my witness. You know what a witness is, right? It's somebody who sees something, and say something about what they saw. Mm. You know the witnesses, right? Somebody who's been through something and then tell other folk what they've been through. You, you know the witnesses, all right? A witness is somebody who has a first-hand account, not, not a second-hand account, not, not, not somebody, I heard what they said, and I heard that God was there, and I heard that God can do this. No, 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 no. A witness is somebody that I can tell you because he did it for me. I can tell you what he did for me. He healed my body. He restored my soul. He gave me hope. He allowed me to be used by him. I can tell you what he did for any witnesses in the house. Any witnesses in here can tell you. I know he lives because he lives within me. Ah, he said, you shall be my witnesses. Then he tells you where? In Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Ah, in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Sam, when I was younger, we always teach, and I think it's, it's great motivation for, for ministry and for witnesses, witnessing that, that Jerusalem was home, and, and Judea and Samaria, that was our, our cultural uh, place, and then to the ends of the earth where, where people who didn't know anything about God, that, that, that's where they were. And, and the truth is, in that context, uh, these, these disciples are in Jerusalem, which makes then where we are the ends of the earth. Did you catch that yet? And God's word and ministry has gone from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. So Melissa, more careful study of this region that Christ declares that the witnessing of his believers ought to go forth from. He says to begin in Jerusalem. They were in Jerusalem, Right? But they weren't from Jerusalem. So Jerusalem wasn't home. We know they weren't from Jerusalem because the angel says, ye men of, somebody read their Bibles, Galilee. Galilee is north of Jerusalem. So, but he tells them to start 
in the last place you think they would want to start. And that's where they were receiving the persecution. That's where they saw the mistreatment. In fact, one theologian says this way, Jerusalem was the most wicked city of its time. And Jesus tells the church, that's where you start. In other words, stop saying that we don't go there. We don't hang with those folks. No, if we're people of light, God wants light to go in dark places. And we need to go into the Jerusalem and let them know what Jesus has done for us. Uh, then he says, get this, Greg. He says, Judea and Samaria, guess what? The same region, same folk, ethnic divisions, ethnic, ethnic um, um, struggles. Why? Because you have uh, Jews and you have Samaritans uh, gathered in the same region. Get this here. There was some ethnic controversy. And he says, you shall be my witnesses in the midst of the mess of ethnic tension and, and racial division. He says, you will be my witnesses. No, God didn't call us to stay out of it. He called us to get in it, to let them know what it's supposed to look like. Because look around, look around, look, no, really, look around, look around, look around. This is what it's supposed to look like. People from back, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, all coming together under the banner of Christ with the Holy Spirit guiding us as one family and one people. This is what we're, this is the witness. So the question I have to ask is, will you be a witness? Will you be a witness? This is not rhetorical. This is really the question. Will you be a witness? Have you witnessed anything? Has God done anything in your heart and in your life where you could testify that at camp, God moved me? That testify that at church, God blessed me. You could testify in my life group, I learned more about the love and the prayer. Can you be a Because what the world needs is not programs. It's not rhetoric. They need real people of God being a witness for the Lord. And Father, this is our prayer that you would make us witnesses. Witnesses for your glory. That we will not be silent when the Spirit says speak. We won't speak through all the platforms and media when the Spirit says be silent. Help us to be witness. People of love. People of forgiveness. People who are led by you. May we always remember how much you love us. Not only have you loved us enough to die for us, and that you declared all authority in your hand when you resurrected from the grave. When we say yes to the love in Christ Jesus, you love us enough to be with us. May we never become ungrateful for the gift of your Holy Spirit who leads us, who teaches us, who guides us, who corrects us, and who empowers us to be the very people you've called us to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. 
We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforce.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus in person on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.